my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing, which of course, unless you're uh, totally blind and uh, deaf and dumb and not paying attention, you know. (laughs) Uh, It seems like everything is changing rapidly right before our very eyes. I like to say that the world we are going into is not the world that we've left behind. Uh, Your investment advisor might tell you that uh, past results are no guarantee of the future. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, uh, or we talk about each and every week. The way the world has uh, changed, um, more importantly, trying to understand it so we know where it's going. And of course, we do that through historical references and looking at it through the lens of politics, technology, and finance. And it's been changing rapidly, like I said. Each and every week, there is no shortage of signposts, as I like to call them. Signposts are like... Um, if I gave you directions to my house um, and I said, uh, you know, drive down the freeway till you see this billboard and then exit and then go down to the end of the fence and then make a left and then uh, at the blue house, make a right. And I gave you the, these types of instructions, but I didn't tell you how long it would take you, how far it would, you know, each one would be. 
you wouldn't know. Is it going to take me 20 minutes to get there or two hours to get there? I don't know. But I know I'm getting closer when I see the signs. And that's what I'm talking about, signposts. These are all signs to show us how the world is changing. And so each and every week, we see a ton of those. Um, some of the big news this week was that the Federal Reserve came out and said that uh, they are going to continue to increase the price of money. They want to increase the Fed funds rate. And we also saw the government come out and tell us that we are technically in a recession. So what do I mean by that? Technically in a recession. Well, they said that we're technically in a recession based off of the numbers they put out. But then the Biden administration White House was very quick. As a matter of fact, even before the numbers were released, we're starting to tell us that the definition of a recession isn't what the definition of a recession is. Hmm. So <laughs> you're no starting to notice, or hopefully you're starting to notice, that they're constantly telling us what we're seeing and what we're hearing and what we know isn't what we're seeing, hearing, and knowing. So, for example, um, the CDC went to their website and changed the definition of what a vaccine is. It used to be one thing. Now it's another because now it fits what they want it to be. So uh, never, never mind what it's always been. Never mind what the definition is. Uh, we're just going to change the definition, right? Um, the, 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 the chant that goes around still at stadiums around the nation, uh, let's go Brandon. I mean, where that originated was at this uh, NASCAR race, and there was a reporter talking to uh, a driver, and the crowd was chanting the, uh, the, uh, the F. Joe Biden. I don't know if hopefully I can say that. Um, and the reporter's like, oh, they're saying let's go Brandon. Um, so even what you're hearing isn't what you're hearing. You're hearing something different. What you're seeing is something different, right? And it's called gaslighting. And so now, um, you know, yeah, the GDP went down for a second straight quarter, which fits the definition of a recession. But they came out days in advance telling us that it's not a recession. Because it's, it's not just that. There's lots of other factors like, uh, you know, like job growth, like the job. That, 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 that's a big one. And look how much jobs have grown. Well, if you look at their one single data point that they provide you, maybe you could believe that. But if you look at the broader data, you see that that's a lie as well. And so um, it's, it's important to kind of understand what's going on. This is all part of it. So um, not according to the White House, but according to most economists, the market, the economy is in a recession. Two quarters in a row that means six months with negative GDP growth. Now, the GDP growth is the size of the economy, the gross domestic product of the economy, and it's supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be doing better. We're supposed to be producing more goods and services. Now, the GDP indicator is a big uh, scam in the first place. Uh, the GDP is gross domestic product, but it doesn't really tell us much data, much good data. And the reason why is because, let's say, for example, um, if, uh, if we sold 10 computers, let's say, because the, the economy is made up of producing goods and services. So let's say that we produced 10 computers this quarter, and next, com next quarter we also produced co 10 computers. Well, the economic growth hasn't changed 10 computers before, 10 computers now. But the problem is we have massive inflation. The prices of all those things are going up. So GDP, we sold 10 computers for $1,000 each or 10000 
Now we sold 10 computers for 1,500 each, and we now 15,000. So GDP says, look, GDP grew. We grew from 10% to 15%. That's amazing. That's a 50% increase in GDP. Hooray, hooray. But it's kind of a lie because we just sold the same 10 computers. No growth in the economic output. That's one example. We also have the amount of government spending. And so today, government spending makes up about half of GDP as well. And so it's important for you to understand this fact is that the governments cannot create anything. The governments cannot give something they have not taken. Let me repeat that. The governments cannot give something they have not taken. All they can do is redistribute. So let's say that I made... $10,000 for the month. And then I pay my wife $5,000 for her work cleaning the house. Then I would might say, Hey, hooray, now we're making $15,000 a month. I made 10,000. My wife, my, my, my wife made 5,000. <laughs> and that's how the GDP works. But the reality is we didn't make 15,000. We still only made the 10. All we did was redistribute some of the wealth that I had gotten and I gave it to her. See how that works? So uh, the GDP is a, is, a, is, a, is a manipulated number, and it should be going up, especially with inflation raging so high, but yet it went down. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. The government is hoping to stimulate the market. You hear about these stimulus programs. And so when they shut the economy down, um, thinking it's like a light switch that could just be turned on and off, of course, we're finding out now that it can't be. We uh, people like you and I, we always knew that the case. For some reason, they thought they could do this. Um, and now we're finding out that we have massive problems from just turning the economy on and off like a light switch. And so we went from 3 4% GDP growth, which was kind of the rate of inflation that we had, to now having two quarters in a row with negative, not just slowing. So we didn't go from 3.5 to 3.2 to 3.1 to 2.5. We went to negative 1.6%. Now, um, the markets responded favorably to that news because it actually wasn't as bad as what was predicted. So uh, we were expecting another negative 1.6, and instead we got a negative 0.9. So uh, hooray, 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 we beat the estimates, and the market rebounded. We saw... Uh, many of most of the stock market rallied off of that news. We saw the S and P 500 bounce pretty well. As a matter of fact, since that announcement, it's up about three and a half percent, which isn't massive, but for the S and P 500, it is, and it's continued to do good since it's uh, about a month ago. We're up uh, almost twelve percent on the S and P 500. The Nasdaq, which is way more um, responsive to this is up about 5% off of the news, not bad. And from its low about two months ago, it's up almost 30%, a 30% bounce. And so um, the markets are forward-leaning. They're trying to predict where things are going. They were predicting that things would get worse, and yet they were bad, but not as bad as they were predicted. But what, what does that mean for other assets? I want to discuss that when I come back in a minute. We're going to talk about what Bitcoin's response is. And then I have some other talk about what the government's doing with stable coins, um, what the public is saying about digital dollars, 
and the problem that the dollar is causing around the world, and then some more danger that's happening in the markets that you need to be aware of. So I'm going to cover all those stories when I get back. Uh, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about the decentralized revolution through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I got a lot of important news to cover um, this week. It's been a busy week. A couple things, like I said, you do not want to miss. So I'm going to cover all that and more in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale, extend your spine, remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. Each and every week we talk about that, looking at the, the, looking at the world as it's changing, as it's morphing, as it's evolving. Well, right now it's still kind of de-evolving, uh, and then it will evolve. <laughs> uh, I, call, I, I give a talk called De-Evolution and Re-Evolution and how we're seeing this de-evolution process and then we'll re-evolve. Um, but if you understand it through these, through the lens of these three topics, I think you get a better understanding. Before the break, I was talking about how um, how the economy is in bad shape. It's in real bad shape, but it's not as bad, maybe, as what we thought it was. And so that's a good thing, I guess. And so um, I talked about how um, the NASDAQ and how the S&P 500 reacted, which was good. And Bitcoin actually had a pretty good response to it as well. As a matter of fact, the Bitcoin market um, had its single biggest day gain in six weeks, 
which was a pretty big deal based off of that news. And so we saw Bitcoin has jumped up about about 13% based off of that news. So not bad, especially considering the S&P and the, and the NASDAQ. And basically, like I said, it really moved off of the news of this for a couple of reasons. We saw the Fed come out and change the price of money. And we saw less bad news than what we were expecting, I guess, those two things. And the reason why Bitcoin is so sensitive to that is because it's considered what's, a, what's, what's called a risk-on asset, so sort of like tech stocks. And so um, in, a, uh, in a risky environment where things are looking shaky when we don't know the future, when things could be crashing, those risk-on assets will do bad. Um, but when it's game on and the Fed is doing massive amounts of stimulus and those risk-on assets do really, really well. Um, but like I said, this data that came out both from the Fed and from the GDP. So Fed Chair Jerome Powell came out and said, quote, that he's going to stay data dependent. Um, and that looks like it signals a sign that they're worried about a recession. They want to stay data dependent. It also looks like maybe they're expecting inflation to start dropping pretty quickly. And so it's kind of a way to say we have our options open. They were very dug in. It was something that I was afraid of. They were very dug in on their position to get through all these rate hikes that they want. And the problem that I, I, I fear is that the Fed seems to be pretty dug in. Like I said uh, before, they really want to project way out what they're going to do. They don't want to have any surprises. And so they say, hey, if we're going to raise rates, we're going to give you a couple of months notice that we're going to do that. Um, and so they don't want to have these surprises. And what happens is uh, he had said uh, back going back to you know 2019, really 2020, um, we can't get the inflation. We can't get the inflation. We're going to we're going to, quote, let it run hot. And so they did. They let it run hot. They just let inflation run hot. And it got way too hot. They should have pivoted sooner, but they had told us they're going to let it run hot. And they kind of had to do that. They were dug in that position. I'm also afraid that once they commit to doing all these rate hikes, they may be dug in on that. But it looks like they're coming off of that now. So to leave some, uh, leave some of my fears as well as looks like for the market as well by him saying that they're data dependent and said that, you know, maybe there might be one more hike, but depending on what the data shows, there might not be. And so this is that pivot that everybody's starting to look for. Could this be the pivot? And of course, like I said, Bitcoin responded very well to this, as a matter of fact. Um, even though they did raise rates, again, markets are forward looking. So they had already priced that in. Markets were already predicting a 0.75% increase. Some people thought it could be as high as a 1% increase, um, but it came in at, at 075 So it was already priced in. And it wasn't just Bitcoin that did good. Um, it looks like uh, the finance minister of El Salvador also says that their Bitcoin bet is working good. So I, I like to see that, you know, um, El Salvador was the first nation to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Of course, when they decided to move into it, they've seen the, the U.S. dollar valuation of Bitcoin drop. And so a lot of people like to point to that and laugh and say, oh, look how bad that decision was. Look how bad it's been for them. But they say, the finance minister says that it's actually working really well uh, for a number of reasons. The finance minister defended the country's strategy to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, um, even as critics urge the nation to ditch the experiment as the cryptocurrency world suffers through a bear market. First of all, why? Why would they need to ditch the experiment? 
if people want to pay with Bitcoin, let them pay with Bitcoin. What's the big deal? What's so dangerous about that experiment? Letting people choose to pay me in one currency or another, that's, that's a dangerous experiment, I guess. But it said that uh, the digital currency has brought financial services to a largely unbanked population, and it's attracted tourism and investments. So who would have thought you open up a little bit of freedom and allow people to choose how they want to pay for things, and all of a sudden people want to come there? Wow, who would have thought that giving people more freedom would attract tourism and investment? But that's exactly what it means. It says that um, as, as a means of exchange, it's still been pretty low, uh, but they believe that the digital money um, and, and the Bitcoin bond the government wants to release could still be something big, as do I. They say it's something new and something that they don't totally understand, but it's a phenomenon and it's, and, it's, and it's working really well. Now, the government had purchased 2,381 Bitcoin, um, but they're worth about 40% less in U.S. dollar terms than when they had paid for them, which isn't super good. However, uh, the president, President Bukele, has been continuing to buy as the market's gone down. So what happens is that starts to, that starts to average out the valuations that they paid. Um, and now they have all this Bitcoin on their books. And now because they have those Bitcoins on their books, now they have assets. They have collateral. And so it's working really well for them to attract more investment capital into their country. Um, the finance minister said, I believe in the traditional international monetary system, just as I believe that new technologies are going to help human beings in the future. So I think making that transition is vital and it would be wrong of us not to pursue financial innovation that could benefit El Salvador. What a great statement. The opposite of that, Christine Lagarde, who I'll throw out, by the way, is a convicted criminal, who's the head of the European Central Bank, previously head of the IMF, which he referred here, said as much, quote, said, um, financial or said innovation is a threat to our financial system. Innovation is a threat. You mean making things better? Making things faster, cheaper, more accessible? That's a threat? I mean, it's certainly a threat to the worse system, the more expensive, clunky, permission-based system. But isn't progress, isn't innovation better? If it wasn't better, it wouldn't replace a different system, right? She said innovation is a threat. So let's not have any more innovation. Let's just, let's just freeze the world as it is today. We'll never invent anything new. It's very, very dangerous in my opinion. And um, the finance minister of El Salvador gets it. And they say, look, uh, I get it, right? The IMF is important, but I also think new technologies are important too. And I think making that transition is vital and would be wrong of us not to pursue financial innovation that could benefit. Of course, It'd be wrong of anybody to not pursue innovation that could benefit people. Why would you not do that? It's insane. Uh, but in the United States, they have a big effort on stable coins and innovation, and the public has spoken. I got those stories um, to cover when I come back in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Ma Show talking about the decentralized revolution, and I'll be back in a minute with that. Don't go away.
let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We are talking about the decentralized revolution, navigating you through the craziness of the world, of course, looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, calling out the signposts, calling out for the signs that we see that the world is changing. More importantly, the future that we're going into. Uh, There's no shortage of um, signposts that are popping up. Of course, I'm talking about news stories. I'm talking about policies, programs that are being put into place that are ushering in this new world um, to this decentralized revolution. This week in the United States, of course, we talk about the United States because the Federal Reserve is the most powerful organization. Of course, they control the dollar, which is the reserve currency of the world. Something we've been talking about uh, at length is, of course, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And, of course, then we talk about stablecoins and central bank digital currencies. I've gone deep into central bank digital currencies. Of course, they are nothing like Bitcoin. They are probably the antithesis of that. They're the opposite of what Bitcoin is. Instead of open, permissionless, transparent, 
their closed, permissioned, uh, hidden secret systems. Instead of uh, a system of freedom and uh, private property rights, it's the system of um, spying and surveillance and zero private property rights. So it's the exact opposite. But we're going to talk about both of those things. Um, Stablecoins sit somewhere in the middle. Stablecoins are basically, if for a quick preview, um, basically if I were to give you a dollar, you could give me back a token that's, that's worth, it's redeemable for that dollar I gave you. So you give me the token, and at some point, if I want to give you the token back, you give me my dollar back. And they're always pegged to a dollar. It's always worth a dollar, but it allows me to operate in this crypto system, on this crypto rail, as we call it, um, which helps, it's really helped with traders. In the early days of cryptocurrencies, um, most of the cryptocurrency exchanges where you could trade cryptocurrency assets weren't able to use dollars. And so they didn't have the licensing. Again, the dollar is a very permissioned system. You have to have permission to operate with dollars. And so most of them didn't have permission to do that. And so they created these stable coins that were essentially worth a dollar and pegged to a dollar, but they could be traded through this crypto ecosystem. And they've blown up. I mean, they've gotten really, really big and they've become a big part of not just the crypto system, um, but now they're a big part of the dollar system and they're a big part of the global system. And so I think, you know, in this transition period that we have, I think it's a useful product for the world. So you have lots of people in the world that are experiencing massive amounts of inflation. The U.S. has inflation, but nothing like some of the parts of the world where they're seeing 100% inflation a year, you know, 50%, 60 70 80% a year. Their money is losing value so fast that they just they, they, they have no choice but to get out of that local currency. But the problem is get into what? What do they get into? And so sure, they can get into Bitcoin. Bitcoin's still very, pretty volatile. It's not very easy to get gold. Um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of uh, things preventing them getting into dollars specifically. And so getting into U.S. dollar-backed stable coins is a pretty good option for them. And so, you know, for money that you need short-term, you want to pay your bills, you want to buy food tomorrow or next week, you want something that's a little bit less volatile, the dollar works pretty well for that. And so I think these this stable coins are, are filling a need right now. And it's also helped the United States to maintain the dollar's reserve status across the world. So I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of politicians inside the government are fearful that the that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies could undermine the dollar's position in the world. But the stable coins have actually helped it cement or secure its position in the world. But, you know, there's all different types of stable coins run by all different types of companies, and they're running all different types of programs, one of which is like this Terra Luna we've covered at length, which basically blew up. It was an algorithmically pegged stable coin, which is never going to work in my opinion. Um, I said that before it blew up and, and, and it did. But one that literally holds the dollar in full reserve and will give that dollar back to me at any time, I think those can work. The problem is, do they have the dollars they say they have? That's a big problem. And as opposed to investing them into some other asset that could lose value. So the, so the U.S. government has been working on some bills to, to really try to regulate these stable coins. Um, and it looks like it's been held up. We saw this week that U.S. stablecoin bill delayed by Congressional Committee until after August. So they've been really trying to get this through, but now it's been held up. It said the legislation that could establish U.S. regulations for stablecoins has formally been delayed until after the August Congressional break. And it says that... Um, 
uh, it's a bipartisan effort. So we have the panel's ranking Republican, which is Rep. McHenry. So shout out to Rep. McHenry. He is a Bitcoiner. He gets it. Um, So shout out to him. He's heading that up. But we also have the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. She insisted that legislation include further protections for crypto investors. And so that's something, uh, you know... I don't think it's the government's job to protect us. I think it should be up to us to protect ourselves. And so if I don't want to give my money to this person, or I should say if I do want to give my money to this person, then I should do my due diligence on that person. Now, if they don't give me the tools to do due diligence, then I can choose not to give them my money. I'm not really for the government coming in and mandating that. Now, I believe in competition. So let's say that this company wants to give me a stable coin in return for my dollars, but they don't give me any type of transparency. They don't show me how much they have in reserves. They don't show me where they're, there's no attestations on a monthly basis, no audits, none of that. And this one over here does that. They're completely transparent and they do audits on a weekly basis and all that. Which one would I choose? Well, of course, I would choose the transparent one that does audits, right? So the market will decide what the people want. We don't need the government to come in and put more legislations, but yet here we are, um, and they want to do this. It says the Treasury Department won't endorse the bill unless it also ensures that the industry exchanges keep customer money separate from the company's assets, which would protect them if the firms fail, the people said. So that's an important piece. And, uh, man, I don't know. These are messy things. Um The problem is if I give you my dollar and you give me a token back, that who owns that? So technically that would be a claim. You would owe me a dollar. But then if you were to fail, go out of business and declare bankruptcy, then who owns that asset? And so what they're saying is that they want to ensure that industry exchanges keep customer money separate from the company's assets, which would protect them if the firm fails. So for example, that, that money has to be held in a, an account that says, I own that, that money. Similar, uh, it's done with gold in a way where I can keep my gold in a vault, but I own that gold. So if the vault company goes broke, that gold there is my asset, not theirs. And I guess that's what they're trying to do, which would go a long way to protecting customers. We can see that um, we have the U.S. Senate Republicans seeking bipartisan support, support for stablecoins oversight effort. So they're really trying to make this a bipartisan effort. You know, it, it bothers me to see today where words like freedom get assigned to one political party or another, or a neutral tool like a dollar um, or Bitcoin could be ascribed to one political ideology or another. Uh, politics is one thing. Uh, money should not be p- a political tool. But the problem is the dollar it is, right? They use it to buy favors. They use it to influence things. Uh, Bitcoin being a neutral asset that nobody can control doesn't get influenced by politics in that way. So while I like to see them having this, quote unquote, bipartisan support, um, it's a little bit unnecessary. So Senator Patrick Toomey, the ranking Republican on the U.S. Senate Banking Committee, is now talking to Democrats to make his stablecoin oversight bill a bipartisan effort. Um, which is good. It says that, uh, again, they push for full disclosure of reserves that back stablecoins, which could have prevented a lot of the problems that we had uh, 
in the last couple of months with these things blowing up. I want to talk about the central bank digital currencies and what the American people are saying about this. Now, there's a new study that came out. I'm going to cover that in a minute so you can understand what is going on with that. And I got a lot more stories to cover in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. Of course, you know that by now. I'll help you navigate that. Um, you listen to The Mark Moss Show. I'll be back with those stories and more in a minute, so don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. Now, I was talking about, we talked about the markets, we talked about Bitcoin, we talked about stable coins. There's one other version. So you got the Bitcoin, you got the cryptocurrencies, you got the stable coins, they're different. And then you have a central bank digital currency. They're, they're nothing the same. Uh, as I said before, Bitcoin is open, transparent, um, borderless, permissionless. Central bank digital currencies are the opposite. They're completely hidden in private. Uh, they're completely permissioned. Uh, they're completely bordered. 
So they're the, the exact opposite of that. What a lot of people don't realize is that it's also probably going to be, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people are starting to realize. I'm going to tell you about this survey that was just done. But it's probably one of the greatest assaults on our freedom we might have seen to date. And that's a, that's a big claim. Um, I constantly think about the day that mo the more freedom died than any time before, which was uh, under the Patriot Act after the 9-11 attacks. And so through the digital age, we've lost a lot of freedom. Of course, the government spies on us for, through all different ways, but there's really no easy way for them to do this. So they have to get a, get a hold of uh, a bunch of different uh, networks to gather this data. Then they have to ha somehow get all this data and somehow piece it together. But a central bank digital currency could fix all of that. What you spend your money on is probably the most important thing. And they want to control that. Not only do they want to control that, they want to surveil that. So I like to say that without the freedom of payments, there is no freedom. I don't have freedom of speech if I can't pay to go online. I don't have freedom to assemble if I can't pay to go assemble, if I can't put gas in my truck. I don't have freedom of religion if I can't pay, if my church can't pay for a building. And a central bank digital currency could stop all that. Now, if I have cash, paper dollars in my wallet, and I want to transfer them to you, nobody needs to know about that. You and I, we get together, I hand it to you, you put it in your pocket. Done. Private. We have freedom there. But in a central bank digital world, they would not only see that, surveil that, log that, track that, but they could also program it to not even happen. So central bank digital currencies aren't just digital dollars. Now, we have digital dollars today. Over 80% of all transactions today are already done digital. Now, I am no fan of this. I'm, I'm actively fighting it, which is why I talk to you about it all the time. However, I don't use much cash personally. I use my debit card everywhere I go. I don't want to carry cash. And so they already have some access to that. But like I said, it's very difficult for them to get all of that data and put it all together and, um, versus a central bank digital currency that can be programmed. So it's programmable money. So they could say, for example, uh, they want to modify behavior. So let's say that, hey, Mark, you're, you're, uh, you're not saving enough money. Uh, you should save more money. So we're going to pay you a big interest rate um, to save more money. Or, Mark, you're, you're saving way too much. You're hoarding. You need to go spend more money. So we're going to hit you with a negative interest rate. We're going to start taking money away from you. Or we're going to give you the stimulus. We, we want it, we're trying to stimulate growth. So we're going to give you money, but if you don't spend it by Friday, it comes back to us. Or how about you're part of this minority group? So how about some reparations or, or something for you? So there's all types of behavioral things that could be done. But also it could be like, um, hey, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. So after midnight, you just can't spend your money anymore. Or we said that uh, red meat is no good for you anymore, and so now you can't use your money to buy red meat anymore. Or, um, you know, this person is, uh, you know, their, their, their credit score is too low. We've deemed them to be a bad actor, so you can't give money to that person. And so you can start to see how bad that can be. That can be programmed in to the money. It's very, very dangerous. And it can log all of this. So not only can they program it to control you, but then they have all the surveillance on top of that. It's very, very dangerous. And um, the Cato Institute, which used to be really good, I'm not a big fan of them anymore. But uh, they, you know, they're they're out there a, a, a freedom policy think tank, and they did a poll. They did a poll of uh, more than two thousand responses, which is a pretty decent sized poll, um, to the U.S. Federal Reserve's invitation to comment on a digital dollar. So the U.S. Federal Reserve opened it up for comment. 
trying to get the public's opinion on this. I, I talked about this before, and I urged everybody to please go comment. Um, a lot of times you say that, you know, your voice isn't heard, but when they open up things for comment, you should do that. And so um, the Cato Institute looked over these responses that the Federal Reserve was getting, 2,000 responses to this invitation to comment on the digital dollar, and came to this conclusion. Two-thirds of the responses appear to object to the idea. And that's great. That's great news. That means the work that I'm doing and many other people like me is working. We're trying to wake the public up, wake the people up. This is a very scary, very dangerous thing. Says the Washington, D.C.-based libertarian think tank, which opposes a central bank digital currency, as do I, as a government attempt to control people's money, reviewed the public comments and found that more than 66% of them raised concerns, including a loss of privacy and damage to the financial system. The fact that two-thirds of the over 2,000 commenters are pushing back against the idea of a central bank digital currency shows not only this is not the niche issue it once was a few years ago, but also that Americans recognize the very real risk a CBDC could pose to their financial freedom. So it shows it's not a niche issue. People are waking up. People need to wake up. Hear this information I'm telling you. Share it with a few other people. Let's wake the people up. We can still push back on this. It's very scary. Think about um, if you're worried about the government taking your money, you could go pull the money out of the bank. Now, you can't get very much money out of the bank at a time. And then you could have that cash. You could store it in your safe or in your bed, under your mattress, wherever you wanted. And you would have that money. But what if you had no money? What if it was all digital? You don't actually ever have money. What you have is your government gives you credits on your tab. And those credits can be given to you arbitrarily and taken away arbitrarily. So let's say, hey, uh, you did more social programs. You get more credits this week. Or, hey, you're a politician. You're doing good. You get more credits. And, oh, you get less credits. You did these things, right? It's just a system of credits that the government decides to give to us arbitrarily. We don't have control over that. Now, that sounds great if you're China or North Korea. Certainly not America. Supporters of a digital dollar believe it could be a national security benefit in the race against foreign competitors. So supporters, some people support it, I guess a third, support the digital dollar, believe it could be a national security benefit in the race against foreign competitors, reduce the environmental cost from production of paper currency, and improve trust in the monetary system by making it more transparent. So let's talk about that. Um, supporters of the digital dollar believe it could be a national security benefit in the race against foreign competitors. There's no competitors to the dollar. What are you going to put your money in? You're going to put it in uh, the ruble? Nobody in the world will take a ruble. You're going to put it in uh, the lira that's losing 80% of its value per year? You're going to put it into uh, Chinese yuan? There's no, there's no open market for that? There's no, there's no competitor, first of all. Second of all, it reduces the environmental cost against production of paper currency. Uh, like I said, I don't even use paper currency. Over 80% of transactions are already done digital. That's already being done. And improve trust in the monetary system. So it improves trust. So in a system where I can pull my cash out and store it on my own and I can transact without anybody, without permission from anybody. But now we live in a system that they have complete control surveillance over and program it at their will. So that improves trust. So what I would say is the supporters don't understand what they're saying. So while I'm happy that 66% of the people have woken up to this and we're doing a pretty good job, the 33% they don't understand what the heck they're saying. We got to figure that out. 
It says that officials at the Fed, which would be responsible for creating and maintaining a digital dollar, said the agency won't act on it without a sign-off from Congress and the Biden administration. And it says that uh, the researchers for the Office of Financial Research looked into how CBDC would affect the inner workings of U.S. finance, concluding earlier this month that it worries about a future panic driving people. So uh, it's looking like they're running into quite a headwind here, and that is a good thing. We want to continue this headwind. We do not want a central bank digital currency. If you want to use the dollar digitally, you can use a stable coin. They're going to continue to regulate it. It's going to continue to get it safer. Use the digital dollar as a stable coin, and we need to continue to resist the central bank digital currency, the antithesis of freedom, the antithesis of Bitcoin. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about politics, finance, and technology, helping you make sense of the world today and what's coming next. That's what I got for you today. Thanks for listening. Till next time. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale, extend your spine, remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.